Welcome to season three, episode number nine. That's 33 total. I'm going to be talking about the evaluation process. Welcome to Transforming Procurement Podcast with Lourdes Koss, the show dedicated to help procurement professionals in their transformation journey. Lourdes believes that procurement professionals have the potential to add great value by becoming the best version of themselves. Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of Transforming Procurement with Lourdes Koss. This is episode number nine of the third season, but is in total is episode number 33. So as I mentioned in my previous episode, I'll be joining uh, Maxwell leadership team members from around the world to host Live to Lead. I'm offering the virtual experience of the live event that is going to take place in Georgia. That's Atlanta, Georgia. I'm telling you, if you've never experienced Live to Lead, you are missing out. The link is uh, to the event is on the show notes. And I'm really looking forward to this, this event. Topics include communication, leadership insights, mindset, purpose, success, a model to have a better understanding of teams and the workplace, and much, much more. This is going to be a jam-packed event with lots and lots of leadership insights. You don't want to miss it. Speaking of mindset and purpose, today I want to talk about the evaluation process. Each agency has adopted their own evaluation process and have their own reasons for doing so. Some want uniformity, standardization, a systematic way of selecting the winning proposal. But one thing that I started asking myself some time ago was, if someone came behind me and audited the process, will they end up with the same results? Well, I was thinking like an auditor uh, back then when I, before I started in procurement, I was an auditor. Can the process um, withstand audit? It's you know, really what I uh, wanted to know. And the level of scrutiny, scrutiny that many agencies are held to. And how do you minimize the effort to have to defend your selection by having a solid response? How do you minimize the bias injected in the process by personalities, preferences, and biases that people bring into the process, whether consciously or even without realizing that they are? Recently, I did a webinar for a group of NIGP chapters who are members of my monthly webinar program. The webinar was on the evaluation process. If you're interested in learning more, just send me a, an email. I'll put my contact information on the show notes. So going back to the evaluation process. First, the first thing that we need to consider is why are we conducting the process? One of the mistakes that some agencies make is to standardize the process to the point that there is no flexibility to adjust the different, uh, different needs of the project. 
when we lose sight of the purpose, uh, we get a hammer, and that's um, when we start seeing everything like a nail. I think that uh, I, I think it's very fitting this um, that analogy uh, at this point. I think that the purpose of the evaluation process is to select the firm or team that best meets the goals of the project. But of course, you have to be clear about the goals of the project before you can set out to achieve them. The firm that will help the agency make the project a success, that's what we're after. Or implementing the service in a way that meets its ultimate goal. I have to clarify that if you have similar projects, they may follow a similar path. And that's when standardization makes sense. The second consideration is, what must the firm have to be successful? What are the characteristics or attributes that will help you decide on a firm or team that has a greater chance of success? What are those characteristics, qualifications, uh, that will make or break the project? Those attributes should have a higher weight. Why? Because if you average out all the desired qualities, the critical ones, along with those that the vendor must have to contract with the agency, it's defeating the purpose of the process. The third consideration are uh, your criteria separate from submittal requirements. I have seen some agencies put weight on the submission of documents. This is when it gets uh, kind of messy. Criteria are the attributes by which you will evaluate the firm or team to determine if it has the qualifications necessary to perform the services in a way that meets the goals of the entity. The submittal requirements, on the other hand, are the actual documents and information that the firm will present in its proposal for evaluators to make an assessment of the, the extent to which the firm or team meets the necessary qualifications to perform the services successfully. So what this means is that, for example, a proposal receives points for submitting the insurance certificates or submitting the covered letter or the resumes for that matter. You may end up with a firm that is compliant with all the documents required but not the right qualifications to perform the services. I have seen processes where there is a mix of evaluation criteria and submittal requirements. And again, this is problematic because it dilutes the effect that you want to cause by establishing criteria to evaluate proposals. The point of resumes, for example, is not that they're there, but do they meet the qualitative requirements that will make the project successful? Another thing to consider is uh, should you evaluate in stages? 
If you lump all the eight criteria together, the outcome may not reveal the firm that can make the project implementation uh, successful or successful enough to meet the goals of the agency. For example, price. Price is only relevant if the firm or team can perform the services. Otherwise, it doesn't matter that they have an attractive price. And speaking of price, let's talk about price for a minute. How do you, how do you evaluate price? I have seen agencies assign a number of points based on whether they are lower or higher. This is really not price analysis. Price analysis requires some type of understanding of what the agency will get for the price proposed. When you allocate points, is it an apples-to-apples comparison? Or is it simply a bottom-line number where components may vary significantly? The analysis should answer this question. What am I getting? If price is going to be a determining factor, why not go with a bit? Because that is essentially the effect. Except that in a bid, at least you're comparing apples to apples. Not performing a true price analysis puts the agency at a disadvantage. Are you getting the same level of effort? Is the level of expertise offered the same in the proposals that, uh, that you're comparing? You may be wondering, how do you allocate points? Well, this is when you need to be clear about the goals that you want to achieve with the, with the procurement process. There is some judgment call here, but this is why it's even more important to make sure that when you are analyzing price, you are at least comparing proposals that present similar qualifications. Otherwise, the evaluators may focus on the attractive price and not give enough consideration to what they are actually getting for the price. Is what the proposer offering what would make the project successful? Or are there any gaps that may result in additional price later on? I'm not saying that the top quality is the answer. What I'm saying is that perhaps this evaluation of price should be separate and should be done after you've determined that those for which you are considering price can perform the services. My final point on this is that I prefer to write recommendations based on qualitative attributes. It's okay to use scores. Some committees feel more comfortable with numbers. But I would give a meaning to those numbers, to those scores. When you have to explain why one team or firm was selected versus another, the explanation is already there for you when you have qualitative explanations, as opposed to trying to explain it based on scores. 
and trying to explain why one firm ended up with a score of 89 and another one of 87. Sure, one number is lower than the other, but what made that difference? Being able to clearly articulate the difference is important, especially in a debriefing or when the selection is challenged or even questioned by the people that need to really approve the selection. I generally don't like to give the evaluators a range of points to select from. That really leads to bias. It gives room to, uh, for each individual to be arbitrary about how they are evaluating the proposals. Instead, I like to define what excellent means. For example, say four is excellent, then I would let the evaluators know that excellent means that the proposal met or exceeded the requirements. A good means that they have met the requirements. Maybe give it a score of three. A fair means that it is unclear. I may give it a score of two. And a poor is substandard and may have a score of zero or maybe one. How you establish the points can be multiples of five, of two, it doesn't matter. What matters is removing the subjectivity as much as possible. Sure, there are going to be some differences of opinion, but those can be resolved with factual information from the proposals themselves and from the requirements. The proposal either provided a sufficient evidence to make a decision or it did not. This is where the discussion and consensus process is important. Averaging scores of all evaluators can have an undesired outcome. Some people object to given high scores and others object to given low scores. These personal biases can skew the outcome. The bottom line is that the evaluation process is not about the process itself. It is a vehicle to get to the desired outcome, which should be to meet the goals of the organization through that selection process, right? And to select the firm or team that can help achieve those goals that are set out for the particular project, the reason why the solicitation was initiated in the first place. Okay, friends, this is all I have for today on this topic. Remember to check out the show notes uh, and the link for Live to Lead. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Based on what I know of the speakers and their bios, I am really excited about this Live to Lead. The topics that they'll talk about are very relevant to the conversations that we're having as procurement leaders. The link will be in the show notes. On that link, you can get a free preview uh, if you're not sure. So I will, uh, you know, just go to the link and, and, um, Select preview if you like to, if you're curious about it. Take this opportunity to grow in your leadership. Plus, I believe they're going to have some um, special offers during the event or at the end of the event. 
I'll also still put my the link to the leadership newsletter if you're interested. This is free. You can join. Uh, you can subscribe if you like. If you're you don't find value, you can unsubscribe. So that's again all that I have for today. Make sure that you check out the notes, and I hope to see you in Live to Lead. So for now, enjoy your day and be well, my friend. Until next time, add value, grow, and transform.